Welcome to my channel. This is Mario Lord, also known as Real Estate Guru PK. On this channel, we talk about my real estate endeavors. We also have the top real estate producers and the top entrepreneurs in the country. Be sure to click the link below with Justin P with his Support Black Colleges marketing course. Also with Jason White's Crack the Code affiliate link, click that below as well. Also to support the channel, Weeble and One Finance, Chase Discover Robinhood and Public a stock trading app. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This is Real Estate Guru PK signing up. How y'all doing? Welcome to another episode of uh, Real Estate Guru PK podcast. Uh, we got special guests. Um, I'm going to give y'all like a nickname. I'm going to call y'all the, the gatekeepers of Houston, Texas. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't, I don't accept it. Houston, Texas is a big city. <laughs> yeah, y'all don't feel like that? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Up and coming. No. I mean, From what I heard about. I'll no. take up and coming. I don't yeah. have much money in the city. Well, I mean, but y'all yeah. could put anybody y'all want on because y'all y'all are <sighs> personal hard money lenders. And no, we're not. Nope. You have to you have to ask us what we do, but I'll definitely take up and coming. Oh, come on, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. That's fine. Too yeah. much pressure for that other stuff. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, big city, man. Okay, so I usually ask the guests like um, how they came up, and and in, in y'all's case, like how y'all met or whatnot. Yeah. So y'all want to start right there? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. I think I I think I tell the how we met story the best. So it was a mutual friend that we um, both knew separately, and so for several times she had invited us to things individually that we never made it to. And he was married and I was in a relationship. So good thing we didn't meet in those times because if I would have saw him at a wife, I certainly wouldn't have been interested. Mm. Um, And so we just happened to make it to this very same event. Little side note, I almost didn't come. He almost didn't come. So he took a nap in his car. Did you take a nap in your car? I did. He took a nap in his car and woke up late. From the nap in his car, I contemplated not going because it's on the other side of Houston, right? And if you're from Houston, you know it's pretty big. So that could be a make mm-hmm. or break for the deal. Um, but I skipped out on enough events for her, decided to go, same for him. And that's where we actually met. And I knew probably like the second day that I met him that I was going to marry him. Okay. So we're Kevin and Aisha Shelton. <laughs> okay. She's from Galveston. You want to tell them about how you came up, and then we could talk about how I came up. Yeah, that's what he asked. To Houston. How you? Yeah, 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 all that. I don't know. I grew up in Galveston. Came to U of H for um, school. I wanted to be far enough that nobody can kind of call me on the phone and ask me to run errands or do things, but close enough that if I wanted to go home and embrace my mom or dad, that I could. So I ended up at U of H. Um, fell in love with Houston, specifically the Third Ward area. Always dreamed of living there and owning property there. And we kind of do some big things in the area. What did so. you go to school for? U of A, co- corporate communication. Don't ask me what I was supposed to do with that. Corporate so, communication. Yeah. This day and age, they could put you anywhere. It don't. I, yeah. Listen. Corporate communication, bachelor's, early childhood education, master's, and I'm in real estate. So You made it work, though. Mm. You know, he had a plan. Kevin? So I'm, I'm Kevin Shelton from the South Side, born and raised, went to school on the South Side, went to U of H. Majored in construction, always wanted to be in construction. I'm in construction. Nice. Like, yeah. what, what what part of construction is is that? Is so my that... degree is in construction management, and we own a home building company. So I've been a builder for 16 years at this point. 
That is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of building something. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm right now. I'm trying to learn. I'm t- I told him take him little classes on like rehabbing houses and stuff like that. But it's it's uh, very. I don't know. Amazing. It's a hard business. We yeah. I, some people do it. I feel like people. Some people do it successfully, but it's it's sexy as on TV and on social media like we all make it look very good but what i don't think we do enough of is sharing some of the pitfalls of the rehabs or when we're rehabbing Mm. and the losses that we take Mm -hmm. um but you see the pretty outcome and so we actually started off rehabbing like we started off in real estate with our own selfish endeavors of building our portfolio and where we ended up after we kind of got our tales handed to us and rehabbing was that Kevin can build and we know what the foundation looks like. We know what the, you know, we know all the pitfalls because we put it up from yeah. the ground up. And so that ended up turning into a much bigger business than we had anticipated when we first started our real estate journey. What's better? Rehabbing an old house or build new? Better. Construction Man, better. I'm sure there's people all over the both sides that, you know, would say, sure, buy, you know, buy something older and fix it up. You know, mm-hmm. why, why do you say that <clears throat> you can be more efficient with a new build rehabbing? It's a, the reason it's a wild card is because you don't know what you get until you open up the walls and see. Mm. So you can move faster with the rehab, but there's a lot more unknowns with a new build because there's nothing there. There are very few unknowns. Right. Like the problems that occur are problems that are created along the way, mm-hmm. not necessarily problems that existed before that you have to overcome. So yeah. you can mitigate a lot of things up front in planning that you won't have that. Certainly much easier to budget for, right? So when you're budgeting for your rehab, you you budget based on what you expect to happen. Mm-hmm. When you budget for new construction, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to pour concrete. I'm going to buy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit less variables, but I also feel like it depends on what your goals are. We Kevin has a skill set in new construction and project management. So it was a really good fit for us. If you don't have that, is it a really good fit? Yeah. For you? Probably not. Did y'all ever do anything on your own? Like try to pull out the hammer and nails on your own? Yeah, I'm a general contractor by trade. This guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can do everything in a house. Oh, okay. I can that's build awesome. a house from pillar to post. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, I just, it's not efficient. It's not efficient. Yeah. Yeah. No, also, what do you think about that? Um, <laughs> you rehab, right? Yeah, I do rehab. Yeah. I, I haven't done like a completely new build. I've done a, a property where it was like halfway falling apart mm-hmm. so i never really pulled all the permits like like i, I usually pull electrical or the plumbing but i don't pull like all the all the plumbers like the construction permit like i pulled it for this property i'm working on right now but not like like you like some some investors will do like permit for the for the windows mm-hmm. the doors the sheetrock i don't do all that i just put them <laughs> hold up you have somebody else do it right <laughs> Right, um, right. I mean, my, my master electrician and my plumber. I mean, master electrician in my in my plumber. They'll pull those, and then okay, and then sometimes I'll put a construction permit. I mean, the good thing about it is you keeping them right. So if you mess anything up, you got to deal with it. Correct, correct. If you're selling it, yeah. you know what I mean. Then you inherently are passing on risk if you don't. Yeah. yeah. So for us, we always pull permits, but Absolutely, you know everything yeah. that we build. I'm taking it all the way down and building it all the way back up. Uh-huh. So even the houses that we renovated, yeah, are new when we're done. Like we had a, a house that we bought, really old house, hadn't been occupied in 20 years. It was originally supposed to be a rental. We started rehabbing it. The house fell down on itself. It literally collapsed. 
Yeah, I yeah. drew a new house on a napkin. I got it permitted at the city and I built a new house on the bones of that old house. Uh, but if I didn't have the skill set to do that and know what the intricacies of that is, I'd, I'd probably just like, hey, scrap it, sell a lot or something. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like walk away from that. But it's really about the tools in your tool belt. So as you do more, you get more skills to do more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think there's a, a right or wrong way or a better. Uh-huh. I think it's what's a good fit for you. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. What made you what made you get into like construction? Uh, did, did you have a history before that where you just thought so it was I wanted to be a builder since I was 12 years old? Oh, OK. So my family is landscapers by background. So we've landscaped in River Oaks, which is one of the you know, most prominent areas for over 80 years. And when I was young, my dad used to take me in all the mansions while they were building them. Uh-huh. Like this is real life. Like this wow. is what you should do. And I just caught the bug. And I mean, I knew from a very early age that that's what I wanted to do. And there's been different iterations of that. Like I've done commercial, I've done, you know, I started my career in renovation and residential. Then I went to new construction. Then I went commercial. I spent probably the better part of 12 years in commercial. And we started our company in 2016 and grew it from there. So it was almost full circle to come back to residential hmm. after doing, you know, hospitals and bang oh, and, wow. and everything. So wow. uh, this is much easier than the stuff that I did when wow. I worked corporate. Wow. Um, When y'all had tenants, how did y'all screen y'all tenants? We have tenants now. Oh, I, mean, still got, I thought y'all oh. sold them all. Uh, we so sold quite Airbnb. a bit. We oh. still have Airbnbs, right? We, we used to have Airbnbs, Airbnbs yeah. yeah. Which so I traditional watched. tenants, I mean, background check, three times income, mm-hmm. make sure we we have a good fit. I, we like young families. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can't say that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we like everybody. Okay. We like well, everybody. We like there everybody. you go. Yeah. We like Fair housing. We like tenants with a long term trajectory of staying in the property. Okay. Right. So for us, <laughs> we like stable tenants who good employment. Um, who want to be in the area, want to live in the neighborhood, be, you know, contributing members of community. So I think it depends on your class, on your tenant class that determines what kind of screening you do. Right. So in certain areas, I I wouldn't have the same expectations as the ones that I do, but then also where we want to own properties, that's rental properties. And I've seen other cultures do this like Asian and Indian. They specifically look for an area that will garner the kind of tenant that they want, Mm. um, which is different from kind of where we've renovated in the past. Well, what's our town y'all mostly are? We like the South Side. Yeah. Because South Side. Yeah. yeah. So like like so A Leaf all the way to the No, no, no. That's Southwest Side. Oh From yeah. South Side. Uh, okay. Yeah. Southwest Side is a different, yeah, a different the 288 corridor. 288 corridor. Yeah. So y'all third yeah. ward. Um, third Ward and beyond Third Ward yeah. all the way to Pearland yeah. like we'll take all that what about Missouri I, no, y'all not, Missouri City I like Missouri City, yeah. okay. I like Missouri City okay. we've done some stuff in Missouri City but in order to screen the kind of tenants that we want we there's a certain demographic of home that we're looking for so that we can get that t- that tenant class that we want especially for long term rentals we're looking for something if we're buying something existing we don't want anything over probably 15 years old now um Maybe, maybe a brick veneer or siding construction. I want minimal impact from a foundation standpoint. Um, ideally, PEX piping, nothing you know older than that. Um, easily updatable and easily maintainable would be our goal. But honestly, with us building new, all of our 
future long-term rentals will either be built to rent communities or multifamily and we'll build it new and keep it basic. Yeah. Can, can, oh, go ahead. Can y'all talk about, um, I was told y'all was building like a community. Y'all was getting like grants from the city. Can y'all talk about how that process came about? So we, for the last, you know, 24 months or so, worked with some of our partners on getting approved as a certified builder for some of the governmental entities that work with the city. So there's CHERS boards like Houston Land Bank and Midtown Redevelopment Authority. And we went through their certification process of being approved as a builder so that we can build affordable housing. Um, so it's not specifically a grant to us. It's a grant to the home buyers, right? It gives people a lower entry point to purchase homes and we're providing new construction housing. So for us, what we get, the benefit to us is we get access to land uh, at a much lower price. And then from that, we're building new housing that sell at a lower price. Yeah. I, whether you like the Trump family or not, if you read any of the books or memoirs for, of his family, their fortune was built on affordable housing, mm -hmm. right? So they built a lot of the uh, housing projects in New York City, and that's how their fortune was amassed. Now, I'm not saying we Trumps and that we even want to do that, but um, when I'm talking to investors or people in the community about, oh, yeah, we're doing affordable housing, they're like, oh, affordable. I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. And I'm like, no, there's profit in there. Mm -hmm. Like, we're a for-profit business, but we specialize or are, are looking to specialize in the affordable housing arena because the one thing I'm sure that's going to happen is that the government is going to back housing. And so why wouldn't I be aligned with what the government is doing? Because they're going to be giving money for these kinds of projects. And back to your point before we started recording, mm -hmm. when you look at the future landscape of the city, everybody at some degree will fall into some type of affordability kind of system. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you're a family of four in the city and make $120,000 or less, you can qualify for a type of affordable housing. So to buy in the city at the price points that we're seeing on the market rate side with the combination of the interest mm -hmm. rates, it makes it almost unattainable unless you make past, you know, that $150,000 mark. Mm -hmm. Well, this offers opportunities to families to buy into the city and still get a brand new house in an area where you may be came up or you work or close to the medical center, close to downtown, whatever, but you get that subsidy from the government to say, hey, for 20 years, you know, we're subsidizing the land of this home. So if you stay there and reside, basically this $100,000, you get that credit um, towards the purchase. It's that much cheaper for you to buy. You got to stay in the home for 20 years. It's a 20 well, year. you don't have to stay in the home for 20 years, but it's a 20 year affordability. Link. It's a 20 year period. affordability. Uh -huh. So if you sell it, you still you have to sell it at an affordable rate to an affordable. Oh, OK. Uh -huh. To gotcha. an affordable. You can't but it gives you the that. opportunity. Gotcha. Are y'all going to need a neighborhood after y'all after y'all? No. Nah. <laughs> get that, that gets you in trouble sometimes. Like if somebody tries to sue you, be like, oh, it's my LLC. But then your name's all over everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, and I just don't think we're that. We ain't them people. Uh -oh, okay. yeah, if we wanted to do all that, we'd name it like. Mario's Kevin, real estate. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you can do it. Name it after me. Yeah. yeah. But that's a good point, yeah. too. I've heard that from a legal standpoint. Yeah, no, that's so. what I've heard is like, don't put your name all over things because mm -hmm. then you, you're trying to argue that it's not you, but then it's got your name on it. Mm -hmm. Your first name, your last name, the LLC. Yep. Um, uh, what, 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 what went wrong with the Airbnbs? I wouldn't say went wrong. I would say we didn't have an appetite for it. 
because plenty of people are successful in the Airbnb okay. space, right? Um, and if you listen to anything, any podcast that we're featured on, or even our own, we like Airbnbs. Ugh, we just didn't. No, have an I saw the look on y'all's face. Yeah, we. Yeah, and I saw Mario's look, and I was like, "What's going on with Airbnb?" <laughs> uh, well, let me. Yeah. So I feel like it, we didn't have an appetite for it. So most people purport Airbnbs to be like this great passive source of income. Okay, gotcha. Not passive. Yeah. If you and honestly. I think we probably had, I know I did, had the most passive time you did. with I the did. Airbnb because the systems were so smooth mm. uh-huh. that I barely stepped foot on the property. Uh-huh. We also owned the properties, and so we were able to realize more money on a monthly basis yeah. because we weren't arbitraging. Um, but I'm not saying that Airbnb couldn't be successful yeah. for the lifestyle that I would want to have. Oh, I don't okay. want to build an Airbnb gotcha. portfolio. You could have... Uh- couldn't you got like somebody to run it for you for like we had somebody running our baby. sure oh okay but ultimately we yeah. did ultimately the bug stops with you when somebody doesn't right so uh-huh. if you have a management company and your management company falls off well it's on you to yeah pick up yeah yeah when it happens yeah. you know um and again i just preferred something there's more bang in my opinion you could do something else in real estate that gives you more bang for your buck yeah especially if house prices went up too you'd be like I'll just get rid of the house how y'all feel about what TJ Tijani's building in Third War no I mean we like TJ a lot TJ's a close friend of ours so I mean I think it's great and his model is based on that right Mm -hmm. so his model is all Airbnb for us, it doesn't work, yeah. but it's like that's his underlying operating yeah. business, right? So everybody has to have an underlying operating business. At the end of the day, it's the operation of that business that cash flows the rest of your stuff. And for us, our underlying operating business is building and selling real estate. Mm-hmm. So that's our active mm-hmm. income. For Airbnb investors that are full-time investors, that's their active income. Now, people perceive it as passive, but it's much more akin to running a hotel than it is to having a rental property because rental property is passive, right? Like other than maybe minor maintenance stuff in that initial kind of onboarding after that, it's extremely passive. Mm -hmm. So an Airbnb business because of the turnover and the churn, when something fails and people say system, system, systems, but when everything goes out, it's a very manual business, right? Like if somebody won't leave your house, yeah. you got to go over there. Mm. You know, there's, uh-huh. there's very few people that you can pay for the buck to stop with them because it's your property. I think the internet culture tells us that we need to have all of these different streams of income and we need to uh, be Airbnb investors and have short-term rentals and long-term rentals and True. whatever... Turo and crypto and all Uh that kind of stuff. And what we become, and I'll tell you, because we were those people, we Mm. were enticed by what we saw on the internet and we did all of that stuff. We did everything. Until (laughs) we were like, okay, well, this doesn't serve us royal. What what gives us the most bang for our buck and what gives us the lifestyle that we want to live, right? Um, And that's when we settled on, okay, you sell real estate, I'll build real estate. And that's what we do. That's just what we do now. Um, and so no longer do we have shiny object syndrome because all those things work. Airbnb works. Turo works. Everything works mm-hmm. if you work it. But if you are grabbing for everything that's yeah. shiny, which is what we mostly do at this day and age, then you kind of lose the essence of, you know, what it is that you're trying to do. And it also depends on your market. If you're in Alaska, Airbnb might not be that great. Mm. It might be. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. 
Could be. People go to Alaska? Yeah, people sure. go to Alaska. Yeah. How many people go to Alaska compared to how many people go to Orlando, Florida? Mm-hmm. Or New York? Yeah. Or, you know, L.A. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that can throw a wrench in the Airbnb model. But uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm? Why'd y'all decide to start your podcast? To teach other couples. So we used to sit down with other couples very manually mm. like you know people come to us say hey you know we want to do something very similar to what y'all are doing or start to invest in real estate as kind of a form of building wealth for our family and what we found is a a lot of different couples have they might not necessarily have the skill set that we have so they can't necessarily take the exact path that we took right um two a lot of couples don't necessarily need to go full time into real estate. Some people really love their job and they just need to invest their money and and that's a different thing. So when we were looking at how do we speak to a bunch of different couples in different places through our experiences and other couples experiences, we thought a podcast would be the best way to broadcast that message widely versus us manually sitting down with every single couple that knocks on our door and says, hey, we want to learn from you guys. So it's our way of giving back. Um, and now we are, you know, over three years into it. We touch couples that otherwise, you know, didn't know couples do what we do or, you know, one couple from Florida, they're the only couple that they know in their city. It's a small town in Florida by real estate, black couple. And they were like just having a fresh voice of some people in another market doing what we're doing impacted them. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a, a give back part of that for us. We also have dope conversations like yeah. when we're driving or we're hanging out and we're just pontificating on life or business or family. We're like, dang, somebody should hear this. So that's also our we, our opportunity to share like how we bounce off of each other and kind of the really good things that come from actually having a union with somebody that you work with on a daily basis. Yeah, marriage and real estate. Have y'all had any marriage. like disagreements on any properties y'all were going to obtain? We have disagreements on a lot of stuff. We married, bro. You <laughs> totally married. married. We have disagreements. You don't, no, yes. I don't think Mario, you don't have disagreements. All the time. <laughs> All the time. I don't know. Yeah, no. With, no I we mean, disagree on a lot of stuff. Y'all don't seem like it, though. Y'all seem like everything is like cohesive. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Are you yeah. different at all yeah. times, bro? I mean, all the thing time. about it is this. We learned to play our roles mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. For the first couple of years, that was hard, right? Nice. Like we were stepping on each other's toes. I was trying to sell real estate. She was trying to build real estate mm-hmm. and it didn't really mesh as well. So once we got comfortable and found ourselves in our positions and played to our strengths, then it it all worked better. We still have arguments all the time. Like we whole ass married people. So for us, I mean, it's just kind of course of business. Like, you know, being a grown person, you have arguments about your kids and arguments about finances and arguments about whatever. The one thing we know is we see life on the same terms. We want to do life how we want to do life and we want to do that together. So at the end of the day, when that's the litmus test, there's no argument that supersedes that. We might argue on how to do something, but what we doing, we on the same page. Mm-hmm. Cool. What, what about your wife that um wanted you to marry her? She fine. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what else? That's first. <laughs> what else? No, you know, honestly, I've never talked to another human being as much as I've talked to my wife. Um, so y'all's friends first. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> we were together and we were together. Oh, yeah. for us, like yeah. today? Oh, okay. like literally yeah. we met and we would, we started living life together. Yeah. What, what she showed me is I could have a life much better than I could create on my own instantaneously. She immediately impacted my life and changed my life for the better. Um, and that was monumental for me. Um, so even in my wedding vows, I put, it's not, you know, I love her for how she helps me love myself, but I also love her for the impact that she's had on my life in a positive way, whether it's parenting or just generally getting my stuff together. She's kind of my stability. So for me, you know, she, the reason we got everything we got, it comes from her brain. Mm. I'm a really good operator and I'm a really good like technician, but the visionary is here. Like she's the reason we doing everything we're doing now. I'd be working somebody's job, chilling, like, you know, happy, happy to just have a job. Yeah. And she's the one who really saw that we could have something much more by leveraging our gifts. That's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> what about you on this? Uh, on Initially, it was <laughs> when I first when he and I first had a conversation, he asked me what book was I reading? And it was at that point that I knew I was going to marry this man mm. because excuse my French, but I called my girlfriend and was like, girl, this N word read books. OK, so that was very <laughs> exciting to hear. Um, but um, we complement each other so well um, that it. I just feel like when you find something this good, you don't, you make it work. It, it's easy. And I don't want to say that marriage is easy because it's absolutely not. But this flows so well that it's like a well-oiled machine. Everything, the, the way that we complement each other, the way that he executes, I'm not an executor. He is the executor. And so if you find somebody who complements your weaknesses well, then the two of you can really go far because then like what weakness? It's like a, it's like a balance. Who's a risk taker? He's, he's an executor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How about in your relationship? I mean, definitely you, you, right? It's definitely it's this dude right here. <laughs> Look but at she that. She's the smile. reason you got lights on. <laughs> Period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's way more organized. Yeah. <clears throat> um, no more questions. Uh, I mean, I think we talked about this, and it's probably a negative question, but what kind of fears are in like the real estate market as far as like high interest rates? That's we just went from 3% all the way up to 6% mm. to where everybody's everybody that was going to buy a, uh, a, a house at $1,500 a month. Now it's going to be $3,000 a month. Yes. So, so, so we'll probably have different answers to this, right? Yeah. The one thing I'm sure of is that real estate is going to real estate. I don't care what the interest rates mm -hmm. look like. I don't care what the market is going to look yeah. like. Houses are going to be sold. Houses are going to be bought. People are going to need a place to stay. Right. So what's important for us is the pivot. Right. I'm in real estate. Yeah. So I'm not going to get out of real estate. Oh, my God. Real estate. Yeah. Interest rates have gone down. Like those were historic lows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Before that happened, before the pandemic and those historic lows, mm -hmm. I mean, interest rates were seven and eight. Like they were. No. Yeah. They've, they were high. Historically, right? they've been high. So this yeah. was just this really amazing time mm -hmm. but it's not the story it's a it's a yeah. blip in the story of real estate and that's all it was and so for me we're going to continue to build we're going to continue to sell but what that looks like changes as the market changes so the market is changing you know what we're doing a little bit different it's concessions now 
a year ago, uh-huh. don't ask me for nothing. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. if you come in below list price, I'm laughing. Talk, uh-huh. Right? Today, we're actually having conversations about, you know, my client would really like to see this. I'm considering it. Um, last year, I wasn't uh-huh. considering it. So business is still going to happen. People still are going to need a place to stay. And real estate is always going to be the best place to park your money. What about construction? Like, I, as far as a builder, you can't extend the time you're building something. Don't you got to shorten it if something changes? Like, as far what as... What do you mean? Uh, okay, so with flippers, I always thought that the bad part is if you're... You know, something that should take you two or three months to do, it's taking you a year to do. The market's changed in another direction. Yep. And that's where people get hit. But I, I mean, if you have large margins, then of course, then you can weather the storm. But in 08, people were, you know, we're trying to do a flip and it's taking you a year to do a flip. And that's where they got hit. Yep. The market just changed. I think it's large margins. And I also think that, you know, having several exit strategies when you buy the property. There you go. If you buy that property and it's already tight, which we've been there. People were buying it at retail in 07, 08. Buying it at retail. So you, if you get a good deal and you have it, like if this don't work out as a sale, which I would like it to, can Uh. I still refinance it and hold it and lease it out until it is ready? So you got to buy your property smarter than, you know, this is Mm -hmm. just the property and I could get $15,000 out of it. And then you have cost overruns and now you at two or you have to pay at the closing table, which we've been there before. I think people are way more sophisticated now than 08. Uh, So so let me. No, seriously. I I want to touch on your points, though. So you talk about fear in the market. Yeah. So I read an article right before we came here and it was talking about uh, Queen uh, Elizabeth's. Uh, it was Queen Elizabeth, right? Was. Yeah. Queen Elizabeth's real estate portfolio that she passed on to Prince or to King Charles. Yeah. Right. So one of them was the London Bridge. How old is the London Bridge? Right. Hundreds of years old. Yeah. So the the anchor to the crown is real estate. Right. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the beginning of, you know, the country. They don't make any more land. So while you might pivot and you might change, people are still going to transact real estate no matter what the market is doing. So in the 80s, when interest rates were crazy, people made money. In the OOs and stuff like that, and even in the the 2009s, 10s, whatever, when interest rates went lower, people made money. A couple of years ago, when interest rates were one, two percent, people were getting crazy amounts. Crazy money. We made money, like everybody yeah. made money, right? So you have to ask yourself, and and this is where the history part comes in. While history doesn't repeat itself, and I like what you said earlier about it rhymes. It often rhymes. Yeah. Well, you can. Look back at history and yeah. find the strategies that people use to be successful and use those strategies because the one thing about real estate is it's tried and true, right? So as a builder, and we talked about this earlier, what I'm looking at is say, okay, well, if interest rates are at a nine, right? Yeah. And costs are still high from a materials perspective, what can I control? I can control what I build. So maybe how I cut cost is reducing the size, right? And for a buyer, most people buy on payment, Mm -hmm. right? So the reality of the situation is your purchase decision might change. You might go from, I can afford a $1,500 payment and a $1,500 payment at this point bought me this and now it buys me this. Do I still want to buy? And the answer is still yes, because at the end of the day, you'll still do better buying than not buying. 
But that comes with education too, True. right? Because most people are watching the news and sitting on the sidelines and you're still missing out on opportunity somebody regardless of what the interest rates are, mm -hmm. right? And so for if you listen to the media, the media is going to say like, hang tight, things are going to fall and you should wait for that. But yeah. there's so many different ways to approach it, like buy the house now, get it at the mortgage rate that you can afford, refinance it. Do There's so like the one thing I love about real estate is that there's so many things you can mm -hmm. do with it. It's crazy and exciting, but it takes education or the right guide to get you to understand how and why you should make those moves. I just think there's a lot of more education now than there was back in 07. I think a lot of people are way more sophisticated. Here's the problem with the education yeah. that's out now. Yeah. It's snippets of shit. Ooh, <laughs> that's why it's wrong. It's snippets, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like, you can make a million dollars on Turo. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. telling you like, the real game and all uh -huh. of the things that you want to avoid or need to avoid, they're just telling you like, hey, here's this big number. Let me speak to you wanting to make this amount of money. You might be making a million dollars on Turo, but if you're spending 9,900, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, you made a million, but what it's, the margins look like, yeah. bro? You know it's what I'm all saying? That furniture. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. see, the crazy part about it is once you actually learn real estate, and that's the problem with uh -huh. the education, like she said, it's partial, right? So people yeah. are actually learning real estate. They watching clips uh -huh. and those clips don't before we ever invested a dollar. We studied real estate for like three years mm -hmm. to learn real estate. So we can tackle a deal a lot of different ways mm -hmm. because we actually know what we're doing. Right. So that that's the difference. When I look at our rental portfolio, we have one house at 5.5 that we refinanced four years ago. And it's at a 5.5. So now our interest rates are at five are five and some change. Yeah. So when people go, oh man, real estate interest rates are at a five. I'm like, well, we got a property at a five. But then when the pandemic hit, we were able to refinance a property to a two. And wow. that made the difference between whether we could keep it as a rental or make it, a, you know, sell mm -hmm. it. So now I'm like, oh, okay, well, you might have an aggregate of a lot of stuff. You might have an eight, you might have a two, you might have a five and your aggregate is where you perform. Mm -hmm. It matters your cost basis, but it also matters your strategy, right? So mm -hmm. the people arbitraging right now, they might be getting crushed because it's, you know, rents rise and stuff like that. Now those margins are shrinking. Yeah. But the people who own, you can do a lot of stuff. You mm -hmm. can rent rooms. You can be way more creative. You mm -hmm. can have way more avenues to make money because there's still money to be made. It doesn't really matter the market. Like we're going to be in real estate regardless of what the market's doing because that's our job to be in real estate. How y'all feel about wholesaling? Uh, I mean, we've wholesaled a couple things, but it's not really our, our strategy. But it, if you are wholesaling, you should call us <laughs> with your deals. We don't hate you. Honestly, I don't buy don't properties do from wholesalers. Typically. I mean, not anymore yeah. because wholesalers really don't know their, their numbers, numbers very well. And I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Bro, I haven't seen a wholesale deal that makes sense in years. In a long time. <laughs> yeah. What's the last time y'all bought a wholesale deal? 2019, 2018? Yeah. How, how do y'all get most of y'all's deal? Do you have a real estate agent working for you? Hey. Okay. <laughs> yes. Honestly, yes. <laughs> because we buy raw land, yeah. I can buy land at market rate because we're okay. creating our value. Okay, building. gotcha. We make our money building, right? So I'm going to take raw land and I'm going to make the value. I create new money by creating inventory. Awesome. And that's it. Yeah. Um, can we talk about your kids a little bit? Yeah, whatever. So, um, if you had, would you have a problem if any of them didn't want to be in real estate at all? 
I mean, they all have to do real estate. They don't have a choice. <laughs> wow. Real estate's the underlying girder for a lot of stuff. You can do other stuff. You can do whatever you want to do estate. as long as you do real estate. Yeah. Part, so you, they, it got, they got to be like a realtor, like something. No. Nope. No. They have to know how to own, operate, and manage real estate. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Because yes. they're going to inherit a portfolio of properties. Okay. They're going to inherit an underlying real estate-based business. They need to be able to at least inform and instruct the people who work for them on how to navigate. There are people that don't necessarily look like you and I, that that's just a thing. It's just, it's just natural. It's just part Real of life. Real estate will just be natural to my children. The fact that they are going to go buy a property and have an investment and have a portfolio of properties is going to be like, yeah, that's just what we do. No and everybody fear. do this. It's just, it'll just be common, yeah. common nature for them. Now, let me ask you a question. If you... I don't know how many cars you have, but let's say you were born and raised with three cars. Your parents had three cars. And when you got old enough, they bought you three cars. And they're like, hey, we have three cars. Here's how you change the oil. Here's how you drive it off to the shop. Here's what you should look for, whatever. You're not necessarily thinking about the fact that, oh, I got three cars. You're just ingrained to be able to handle three cars because mm. you grew up around three cars. Mm. Would it feel unnatural to you to have three cars? It, was, it should be in, embedded in my blood. Yeah, it's, it's a the mind, same way. It's a mindset. Um, I remember his his cousin when she went off to college. His parent, her parents bought a house in the state and near the college. They actually bought a multifamily property. Yeah. They rented the rooms out to other college students, and then when she graduated, they sold it. Yep. Yeah. So it's just like. That and then so she has sense. multiple properties now and it was nothing. But if you if you've always experienced stuff like that, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's what we do. And honestly, for our oldest, that's what it is now, because she literally she see a house. She be like, oh, we can renovate that like that ain't nothing. I, mm. Whatever. And even our mm-hmm. youngest daughter, our youngest son is like, I've been training him up in construction. So all his like his mat that he goes to school at, his tractors and excavators, his bedtime books that he reads are like heavy yeah. equipment and he's learning how to build. So when we pass by construction, like he's like, oh, it's like my book or whatever. It's the same thing my father did for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I knew that's what I wanted to do because that's what I was exposed to. Mm-hmm. So the more that you expose, you know, children to things, the more it becomes ingrained in them. And I don't want my kids to be products of the school system. System, which says there's a right and wrong answer that there are there are authority figures, which, yes, there are authority figures, but also like I want you to be able to see and dream above what they tell you in school. Yeah. Stand in line straight. Don't color outside the lines. This is the right way. Uh, apple is red. Apple can't be rainbow like people are going out in this world. The people who make decisions and the people who control this world are the people who can see the world outside of the limits that the school system and that society puts on us as a people. And so we're only limited by what we seen. So like, oh yeah, you gotta go to school, get a degree and get a good job. That's what we were taught because that's all we were, that's all we've seen. But for my colleagues and my friends that are outside of, you know, my race, they saw something completely different and they strive and they do things that are way greater than that. So what what do you think the direction of like, I guess the school system is going? Uh, I think like most people that I see right now want to be YouTubers instead of engineers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, TikTok. I mean, I think it's good that you're teaching your son to be work on things and stuff like that. Be more, I guess, manly. <laughs> uh, what do y'all think as far as the culture? It, I think every 
every generation feels like the next generation is doomed mm-hmm. and everybody turned out just fine, right? Like yeah. in the 70s, they were like, oh my God, these kids are stoned. And they, uh-huh. don't, and they became the executives running company. They still stoned, but they, you know, <laughs> yeah. large companies. Um, I think that it'll work itself out just because I have faith in society. Um, those of us who have the ability to expose our children to various things, our children will be at a different advantage than those who don't have the opportunity to see the world uh, a broader view of the Mm -hmm. world and so um i think organizations like nonprofits that take kids from low-income neighborhoods and show them opportunities show them different things i think those are very important and that's also why i enjoy spending time donating money to those kinds of causes because i think that that could just change a kid's future if he saw something different than what he sees Mm -hmm. so for me you know when i look at today's generation of TikTokers and YouTubers and whatever, it's almost like the NBA or the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. Like the percentage of people who make it, you know, the Mr. Beast of the world. Mm -hmm. It's so few and far between other than the opportunities that actually, you know, you're talking about an aggregate, maybe a thousand people, even if it's 10,000 people, right? We have 384 million people in the U.S., right? Or somewhere around there. He made that up. It's, no, it's, it's 330 million to whatever. Yeah, yeah. nobody really knows. Yeah. So the reality of the situation yeah. is the 10,000 people that you see on TikTok or the 10,000 yeah. people that you see across all these platforms, the percentages are even worse than getting in the NFL or the NBA or whatever, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I saw a clip the other day. The guy was talking about um, the NBA and he said, and I, I'm going to misquote the numbers, but it was something like, it was something stupid like 75,000, you know, players in uh, middle school go to high school. Yeah. High school is like 40,000, yeah. 40,000 down to college. College was like 17,000 out of 17,000. It ended up being like seven, 700 or whatever for uh-huh. some teams that are end up being like 100, 100 people. So it's like all these people, thousands and thousands of people going for like 100 full time jobs. Right. So it's like. The statistics aren't there to back that. But like our oldest daughter wants to be an actress. And I'm like, cool. Be an actress that does real estate. Because here's the thing. You can act for free. It don't even matter. Because if you have something paying your bills, you're way more likely to A, enjoy what you're doing. Right. B, do it well and at a high level because you don't have that that income burden to need it to support you. And B, you have freedom so you can choose what you do. Right. Nobody can walk in a room and tell you, hey, take off your clothes because whatever. Or, hey, you got to go shovel, you know, whatever to to get this job. Mm -hmm. You have more control over your outcome. So what I tell people and what we tend to teach couples is if you have underlying investments or underlying an operational business, it gives you a level of freedom that otherwise you wouldn't have. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it is the STEM kind of students that are going to lead the world, right? It's the tech, it's the scientists, it's the engineers, it's the construction managers. We happen to have technical skill. I have a technical skill, but that technical skill alone wouldn't afford me the life. It'd give me a good job. I had a high income, but it's the underlying business, the underlying investments that give us the freedom. 
right? And we've seen everybody, regular folks, you know, when you got started in investing, you didn't have a particular technical skill. You didn't have a, a high job. You weren't making a hundred and whatever thousand dollars a year. You used your investment knowledge you learned and you applied yourself and it freed you. Mm. The world can have that. There's people who own real estate from the beginning of time till now, no formal education. And the reality of the situation is there's way more people like that than there are people like us or people like a Bill Gates or people like a Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. There are way more people who just need that little bit of spark, that little bit of exposure to go. It might be three properties that set you free. It might be one. You just need that extra. If you only make it $1,500 a month and let's say you buy some, you save up your money for 10 years and buy one thing that pays $1,500 a month, boom, you instantly free, right? I know a guy and foreigners do this more than anybody else that come to this country. They save money for an extended period of time. They leverage families. They do whatever they have to do to get free. And that first family frees the second family frees the third family frees the fourth. I know a guy came here from um, Somalia, literally scrubbed oil stains, worked four jobs for 10 years. Family lived in an apartment with another family, saved all his money up. Started an IHOP franchise. Now he wow. owns like four. Wow. Super duper multimillionaire. Wow. Now it took him 30 years. Yeah. But his children, great shape. So somebody has to make that initial sacrifice. And the reality of the situation is the earlier that your family does that, it can free the future generations. But it's the knowledge, right? Because mm -hmm. even the money will slip through its hands, right? Because you could pass down a million dollars. And if your son doesn't know what to do with it, that money going to be gone real quick. Mm -hmm. But if you pass down the knowledge and you pass down that work ethic to go, here's how you make money. Here's how you leverage this skill set. My father taught me how to work hard and how to do things technically. That's a skill. I can apply that skill with knowledge and build a future. That future. Now I can expose my children to something different that they can have a future for themselves. Exactly. If somebody wanted to start real estate right now, what would you tell them to do? Buy a house if they don't own one. <clears throat> First level of exposure. I met a guy this past weekend. First thing he told me was a bunch of internet stuff. He was like, hey, uh, I want to find a mentor to learn how to, to buy and hold real estate. I said, buy what? He was like, I don't know. That's what a mentor tells me. Nope. You have to educate yourself on what you want to do. But if you don't own a house, and you want to get into real estate? That's the first step. I should have bought a house a long time before I did. You know what she did when she was 25? She bought a house. And that was the foundation for our wealth. And literally, if she never would have bought that house at 25, we wouldn't be where we're sitting right now. I would say find something that's complementary to you and not all of the shiny things that are on the Internet to look at the kind of lifestyle that you want to live and find that area of real estate to work in. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I would research that. What is a person who has done this for several years or has done this for a long period of time? What does their life look like? Um, are they vacationing in the south of France because their income is residual and they don't have to think about anything? Or are they in their business every single day putting out fires and figuring things out? Got more questions? <clears throat> Where well, y'all see yourself in five years? <clears throat> That's years. a fun question. Uh, in five years, our home building company will be building over 100 homes a year. 
uh, and we'll be working on other projects, other investments and additional things. Uh, I'm excited to see the growth of our team and see where they take the company ultimately. Um, in five years from a sales perspective, I imagine your sales team will be booming doing this thing. Yeah, I think I think the growth of the sales team and also the the income that we make from the sales, like real estate sales side of the business. I really want to put that into philanthropy and changing changing people's lives through philanthropy and venture capital. What do y'all do for like fun? <laughs> work i mean <laughs> no seriously i mean that's so, seriously yeah uh, no kevin uh, does yeah. kevin does fun for work i like to travel that's he he, oh, okay. he likes to stay i don't like he doesn't travel. like to travel that much you and don't like planes or no like traveling so i travel i used yeah. to travel for work oh uh, okay and you know, after about five or six trips, yeah. you just get kind of beat. I, you get, I get worn beat down. And I used to airport. travel every single week. So the and jet, I, the jet lag, jet airport. lag, jet just lag, going to the airport, hotel stays. I like being at home. Yeah. Like I like being with my kids. I like going to the movies. I like you know. I want to learn guitar. That's one of my goals. We're simple. We're we really are simple yeah. people. So when you like, what do you do for fun? It's it. It's fun for us is like just chilling or hanging out. We we are we are definitely the lame ones. We are the ones that are in Vegas that are not at the pool parties, not at the clubs, but you know, going to the shows. Going to the shows. The yeah. shows are amazing. No, that's, I, I <laughs> went to Vegas early this year. Went to the shows, yep. then gamble. I was like, there's so much talent out there, though. It is yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. So and I, that's fun. Yeah. yeah, seeing our kids grow, working in the community. I like seeing the impact that we can have in the community. Like. There's so many amazing things in this world that you just need the time to be able to do them and explore them. So creating more time to do that is really the name of the game, right? It's like freedom from the day to day so that you can focus on how you can impact more people. Um, that's fun. Oh, yeah. Some a guy once told me, you got to decide you want more time or more money. Yep. And that's crap with that. Yeah. OK, I'm a. Um... I got like a question there, like kind of like I asked all the all my guests. It's like an either or question. Okay. And I, I'll, I'll ask you and then I'll ask her. Or ask uh -huh. her and then I'll ask you. Ask her first. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I'm quick with it. Mm -hmm. Um, What are properties your Airbnb? <clears throat> you know that. Come on. <laughs> so it's Airbnb? It's I mean, it's rental property. I mean, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely rental property. Stocks or NFTs? Mm. Stocks. Stock. Y'all in the NFT game? No. no. Oh, like, that's I'm like what? Yeah. No. no. Okay. Money or equity? Equity. Two million followers or a rental property? What? Two million followers on Instagram or a rental property? <laughs> they, they that said, is cute. Uh, give me a rental property. I was like, like they don't people, seem like they're Instagram. But people, you can ahead. buy two million followers. Period. Like tomorrow. <laughs> like today. I could, right now, when we finish this podcast. <laughs> buy somebody's account. Um, A50 credit score, a million dollars. I guess A50. Leverage. I feel like you can buy an A50 credit score. <laughs> uh, you, nah, I, I would get, say A50 because leverage, can, right? Yeah. So I could, I could leverage that A50 credit score to get more money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, tour or Airbnb. Airbnb. Business account or regular checking account. What? A bit like business account or regular checking account. Uh, 
I don't know what it means, but I'm going to go with business a account. Business bank account. Yeah. Yeah, business bank account. Or a regular business bank account. Or like a personal bank. Yeah, yeah. Business. Okay. Um, LLC or S-Corp? S-Corp. Okay. <clears throat> Instagram or Facebook? <laughs> Instagram. Chris Synagogue or TJ Tajani? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's really one of your that questions? That is a question? That Why? is so funny. I, I don't know. They, they both have, they're in different niches, so I don't have a preference. They do, they do their thing. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Very Chris Senegal, TJ Johnny specific <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's so funny. Now I got to look back and see what everybody say. <laughs> I haven't seen you ask these questions before. No, I do, I do. You got to- Chris Senegal or TJ Johnny? Yeah, I asked um, Donisha and um, I asked TJ Johnny Donisha or, or- um, I got the other person. <laughs> you know, all of these are like our. Friends. That's I know. so funny. Okay, that is that the rapid is that the rapid question round? Yeah, that, that's it. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, rental property, Airbnb. Rental property. Stocks or NFT? Stocks. Money or equity? Equity. Two million followers of rental property. Rental property. You just asked me that. No, he asked me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all saying rental property. A fifty credit score, a million dollars. Well, since she's gonna take the credit score, I'm gonna take the million dollars. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. oh, oh, there you go. Because that's yeah. how we do. There you go. Tour or Airbnb. Airbnb. Business business account or regular checking account. Business account. LLC or S corp. S corp. S corp. Um. Instagram or Facebook. Instagram. Chris Synagogue or TJ Tajani. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Shelton. Oh, there you go. That's cool. It's a trick question. Oh, that's I, so funny. Honestly, we split both of them. Over. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean we split both of them? We, we do versions of both. You, you, both you of take them one, he takes one. Chris Senegal develops, we develop. TJ Janani teaches Airbnb, but we got him started teaching. So. Oh, God. It's the same thing. Thank y'all for coming out. I appreciate y'all. Oh, I know y'all real busy. For having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. That's fun. <clears throat> Interesting questions. 